Sacred Space. So welcome back again to the second part of Sacred Space. Uh, my name is John Keeley. To continue on the program this morning, and this being, of course, a very special day when our Holy Father is celebrating Mass in the Phoenix Park here in Dublin as part of the World Meeting of Families, um, we just said we'd take a little bit of a recording from episode one of a six-part series uh, reflected on Amaris Letizia, or the Joy of the Gospel, from Pope Francis. And this particular theme is entitled Reality. So we invite listeners to listen to this, and this is followed then by a piece of music, which of course today, again, will be from the World Meeting the Family theme song, A Joy for All the Earth. So let's hear this. And welcome to Amoris, our six-part series reflecting on Pope Francis's document, Amoris Letizia, The Joy of Love. Now, this was the result of two synods or gatherings of bishops on the family that drew on experiences of families from all over the world. It asks us to meet people where they are in the midst of life's complexities. Its goal is to support and help families flourish in love and in faith. No matter our age, race or location, one thing that we all have in common is Family is something we treasure most in the world. It is the place where we first learn what it is to love and be loved. It has the biggest impact on who we are. It can also be a place where we experience life's greatest joys, challenges and indeed sorrows. In this series, we're going to discuss the ups and downs of family life and reflect on what Amoris has to say to families in a myriad of different circumstances around the world. We'll discuss the reality of family life today and ask how relevant Amoris can be in supporting families, in helping them to be a place where love can flourish, where we can be a gift to one another, the church and society. Later on in the programme, we're going to be joined by a panel of guests to discuss how Amoris speaks to families in their many shapes and sizes. But first, from addiction to infertility, let's hear from a number of different families who are going to share their experiences with us. I'm awake at half six, so children up, quarter to seven. Breakfast starts about seven, so they finish about half seven, quarter to eight. Get their hair done, get their jackets all organised, and then their lunches, quarter to nine, out the door. It's tough, but it's enjoyable, you know. It's like, well, these are my children, and I really do enjoy it. It's hard to explain, it's hard to put in my mode what a big family is like, you know. Tammy's the oldest, Tammy's just 19 this week. And then we have nine under the age of 13, so it's a lively house, there's always something going on, you know. I don't think we ever went out and planned, let's have a large family, you know. But uh, for me, we wouldn't change it for the world, you know. For me, family is a place and a gathering of people where I can come and just be myself. Where people accept me as I am, with all my... Uh, gifts and also with all my faults. For me, family is church. For me, family is the place where I pray. And for me, family are the people I love most and the place where I first learned to love. Today, 
I'm uh, managing to get out of the office just a little bit earlier and I'm collecting my son Daniel. He's 17 and he's studying for his leaving cert this year. This is very normal for me with the work that I do in particular because I could be anywhere in the country so thankfully Daniel is the type of young man now that uh, he knows that if I'm not going to be home on time he gets the bus, he gets his dinner and gets on with his homework. That's an enormous aspect of raising a child alone. Um, it's quite normal for us as a family, I think, that we have to just um, take each day as it comes. So, how'd you get on today? Yeah, we're going fine. In my early 20s, I decided I was going to travel around the world, but I only ever got as far as the Channel Islands. And it was there that I met um, Daniel's dad. Daniel definitely was um, the gift out of that marriage. But marriage became a place of immense pain for me and um, I took, I suppose, an even more painful decision and a very difficult decision to come home here to Ireland and um, to begin to live uh, my life as a single person and as a single parent. I always envisioned myself being a mum. I came from a big family, there were six children, so I was always used to the chaos. It is chaotic, you know, by times, but it's good. Good fun. I wouldn't change it. Thomas, you, you get out the soup bowls, will you, Pat? Jimmy works full-time. I'm a physiotherapist, so I work part-time. We're lucky that way and that we don't have to have any childcare. We can work it out between ourselves. It's Friday afternoon now, they're all home from school. Just having the soup that didn't come out quite according to plan. Now, so this is James. James is two. Claire is next, she's six. Thomas is nine. This is Mark and he's 11. And this is Paul here, the big boy, he's 12, nearly 13. Turn around and say hello, Paul. We met as students in Stockholm. We shared a kitchen there. So we both ended up spending a lot of time in the kitchen and that's how we kind of slowly got to know each other. I always felt like it was nice to be in Sally-Ann's company. She was always so happy and joyful. So it just naturally was that I wanted to spend time with Sally-Ann and when she was around, I felt happy. Yeah, it was a really nice kind of special time, you know, enjoying the excitement of being together and falling in love. We started kind of thinking about getting engaged fairly quickly. We did mm. our picnic out in Glenelock because it was the first place where Sally-Ann said that she loved me mm. when I was over here for a short little visit. Mm. I suppose we just assumed we would have children and that just didn't happen and we then kind of sought some medical attention and um, that was, I suppose, a difficult uh, time in our marriage. Having no children wasn't part of the plan. So that just threw everything for me and kind of gave a void inside what's the meaning of life then. I'm start from here. Now who's this? Um, mommy. Mommy? Who's doing yeah. that? Lots of kisses. Like this, like this, yeah. Oh, when I met Damien, um, both of us were heroin addicts. He's a daddy now. We had Tammy, and to her shame, Tammy was a sick baby. She was addicted. She was in hospital for a couple of weeks because of the methadone and the heroin. It was tough. Every day was a struggle, you know. Every day was a struggle. Like, about 15 years clean now. And as I said, this is my life now, you know, running around after children. It's a lot easier than being out in the street, running wide, looking for heroin, you know. This is a walk in the park towards what we used to have to do years ago. 
We're cleaning boots here from last Sunday's match, which unfortunately we lost. But uh, boots have to be cleaned anyway. Whether you win or lose, I'm always amazed at films and, and programs. It's a, everything seems pristine, clean, and, and when you wake up in the morning, everything's done. But the reality is quite different, but quite enjoyable as well at the same time, isn't it, Thomas? Yeah. <laughs> I remember a, a Franciscan priest in Italy when we were in honeymoon. He gave us a blessing and he said, the best thing you can do if you have children is love your wife. And the family, I think that's the biggest thing for the children. The family is a source of security and love. And I think that's where they kind of first experience that, you know. We're lucky that we got in contact with a programme we've never heard about before, Retrovi, which means rediscovery. And I suppose now our marriage is really where it should have been all along. Having children isn't necessarily for everyone and we have to accept that as well but be open to it still. Even though we don't have children, Torbjorn and myself together are a family, you know, somewhere that we can be completely ourselves. We're all from a family and we're all connected to a wider uh, family network. The wider family for us is hugely important. I don't know how many times they've come to my rescue. Both myself and Daniel have a very broad perspective on what family is. There might be just the two of us living in this home, but our family is much larger than that. Welcome back to the studio where I'm delighted to be joined by Father Tim Bartlett, who's the Secretary General of the World Meeting of Families 2018, Barbara Cahill, who is an author and a mum of four, and Carlos Campoy from the Diocese of Toledo in Spain, where he works in family ministry. Thank you all for joining us today. I think something that came across very strongly in that piece was that every family is different and in their different guises, they all can journey with God. Absolutely. I loved how normal it all was. The variety of, you know, different sorts of families and the types of things that go on. I, for me, it was something that I could identify with from the pot of soup that didn't work out to the football boots that needed to be washed, you know, to the struggles that are there. I, I, I just think it's, there's a great richness there. I think that uh, what Pope Francis is constantly reminding us of is that in the midst of all of that busyness, the mm-hmm. messiness mm-hmm. indeed of much of family life, there's something profoundly important happening, not only for us as individuals, as we, are, we grow and are formed by our families, but also for society. Uh, and that's why we should look to the family as the fundamental unit of society, something that we should all invest in and mm-hmm. reflect on. But in the midst of all of that messiness and busyness, Uh, All its joys, uh, dreams, but also all of its setbacks, unexpected twists and turns, is grace. Pope Francis is reminding us constantly that grace just doesn't exist in something perfect. It actually Mm. is permeating all of that messiness of family life. And I think the challenge for us in the church is to help a lot of families who maybe feel they're distant from the ideal of the church to realise that, in fact, in their imperfection, grace is still there where there is love where there's kindness, where there's support, solidarity, understanding, forgiveness and mercy, that that's grace. That is the Lord active, present and alive in our family lives. The challenge is to connect that in to the sense of belonging to that family of families, which is the church, and particularly the Eucharist and all of the other sacraments that help us Mm -hmm. to live that life better. And as you say, it's people connecting with that message and saying, I never thought about it like that before. Where God is, yeah. where love is, that's where God is. Exactly. Yes. When I, when I take a look at this video, 
the sentence that makes clear to me is uh, love exists. Uh, God's love uh, is, in, is on earth. Uh, there is hope because uh, uh, God himself dwells in, that, in these families. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's important for them to gather uh, in more uh, larger groups, uh, ask for help in parishes, ask for help in dioceses, because parishes and dioceses uh, has a lot of things to, to offer to families. People might be mistaken. They might think, this document, The Joy of Love, that's for really holy families who every day kneel together and pray, and, and that's what it means to be a family that's connected with, with God. But I think the problem there is if we define holiness in that way, then most of us would say, well, that, that's not me. Um, and I think what we need to do, and this is an opportunity for us to do this over, in the time of preparation for the World Meeting of Families, to be able to say to families, look at what you're doing, sitting around the table, gathered together, cuddling your child. This is the stuff of holiness. This is what holiness is actually about. It's a much more grounded, ordinary God in the bits and pieces of life rather than something that's very rarefied and only for the few. This is, this is the stuff of life. Do you think, Father Tim, that just a family watching today that maybe has never read anything like this sort of document before, maybe even hasn't been to church in quite some time, can they connect up with this? Will it be relevant to them, the joy of love? I think this document is incredibly profound for every family. If I was to encourage a family to look at a particular part of it, that might tap in to that reality where grace is present in love uh, in our family lives, it would be chapter four, where the Holy Father gives this beautiful reflection on a verse of scripture that many might know. That is the uh, hymn of love in 1 Corinthians 13 from St. Paul, where St. Paul talks about love is patient, love is kind. It's never jealous. It's never boastful. We know it so well, but do we always live <laughs> well, it? Well, no, it's, it's, it's like an examination. of It would be a beautiful examination of conscience for any family, for all of us as individuals, but certainly for a family. And I think Barbara's absolutely right. I think the exciting journey that we're on, and we've been on this journey since the Second Vatican Council, by the way, the church has never given more thought and reflection to the importance of the vocation and mission of the family and marriage in the world today than it has since the Council, more than in any other period of its history. So this is an exciting time to speak of the good news uh, of the family as, a, as joy for the world and for all of us. But in that, uh, I think that, uh, that we, we would do well to encourage families to come together where they are and to reflect on some of the things that Pope Francis is saying. I think they'll find great encouragement, uh, a great realism, about what family is, all its ups and downs, but also, as is the, the, the role of grace and our Lord in our midst, also a challenge, a challenge to do more uh, and to become more holy in the ordinary things of life by putting more love and grace into them ourselves, you know. We're going to come back to our panel very shortly, but first let's watch the families again where they share a little bit more about their experiences and how their life connects up with faith and indeed Amora Satizia as well. The opening line of Amoris Letizia, the joy of love experienced by families is also the joy of the church. It's so important for us to realize that the church is a family of families. And in that, the church recognizes that there are all sorts of different families. There are all sorts of different family situations. But just as the joy 
and the hope and the dreams of families are also the joy and the hopes and the dreams of the church, so also are the struggles, the difficulties, the pressures, the illness, the economic problems within families. These are also the struggles and the difficulties of the church. I love that piece in Amoris Letizia where Pope Francis talks about the fact that you can't have family if you don't have dreams. I think he's talking about women when they're pregnant dreaming of their unborn child, which is such a lovely thing because I know I did it uh, hugely. But he goes on to say if you don't dream, if families don't dream, there isn't then hope, you know, and if there isn't that, there isn't love. And if there isn't that, then life itself gets starved somehow. And that for me is family. It's where there's hope, there's love and definitely dreams. In 2014, Pope Francis spoke to couples that had just recently got engaged and it was on St Valentine's Day and he talks about life being an art form. For me, that thread runs all the way through Amoris Letizia. Living together is an art, he says, a patient, beautiful journey. That sums up completely for me everything he's trying to say in Amoris Letizia. It is a journey. And it is an art form and we are all the artists that are trying to live that um, perfection, if you like, in so many ways. Uh, But it's also the imperfection that is family life and just that journey. Pope Francis says to us that no family drops down from heaven perfectly formed. And it is true. I don't think if any of us could say that our family is the perfect family. But our family is a real family. That family is about reality. It's about everyday life. When we were having difficulties in our marriage, I just thought, you know, our marriage is so important. It's more than just me and Torbjörn as individuals, that our marriage is something to be protected in itself. At one point, it was very difficult, and I felt like, I can't do this. And then I remembered the words pick up your cross and follow me, which was something that kind of really resonated with me and inspired me really. And also that we had the help of other couples along the way that we didn't need, or I didn't need to carry my cross on my own. John James Crossing and Catherine Doherty, 3rd of January, 1922. That's my grandparents' home there. And then, yep, there's my mum and dad's. John James Martin and Catherine Crossan married on the 30th of May 1949 here in this church. It's really amazing just to see uh, all of these people who've come to the church here in Iskaheen to get married. And for me as a priest, it's, it's such a privilege to be able to be present you know, at the marriage of a young couple. And for the church, it's so important that we also are there to value marriage and to value family. And to see a young couple coming together, pledging their love for one another in the presence of the priest and their family and their community, it really shows how much the church values the joy of marriage and the joy of love and the importance of family life. Welcome back to the studio. Well, very interesting to see just a little bit more of those families and their experiences. And something that seems to be coming across quite strongly is that we're all on a journey, but perhaps for some of us, we don't feel that that journey can be connected up to one of faith. 
Yeah, I think you're right, Wendy. A common thread was journey. Uh, What struck me was that every one of those families had a sense that that journey was certainly moving forward. Yes, they had their ups, their downs, the twists and turns on the road. But the horizon of all of our journeys as human beings, as Christians, is the horizon of God's love, which always beckons us forward. And uh, you also got the sense there, particularly with Archbishop Eamon at the end, that it's a journey that has passed from one generation to the other, learning from each other, gathering wisdom from each other. And I, I think that the challenge today for church is to help people on the family, the journey of life as families to connect into the family of families, which is the life of the church. And a large part of that, Pope Francis suggests, is working out how we can get families to help other families in the parish context, particularly preparing for marriage and immediately after marriage and so on and so forth. Pope Francis has this beautiful phrase, we're dancing to the future with hope. And I think that came through in, in everything there was that people are still moving forward with hope, hope in God's love and in the value of family and marriage. And something that Pope Francis also talks about is, see, perhaps something that you might think is a challenge as an opportunity. And he talks about this idea of missionary creativity, basically going out, being creative. And that's something that you've really done in your diocese. Oh, yes. Um, the main axis of all the pastoral in our diocese is family since uh, 2012. And we have developed um, more, nearly 30 projects about the family, about different uh, uh, types of families, different moments in their development. And um, this is a, an asking for every parish and every diocese, for all bishops and all uh, parish managers, uh, invest in family, because everything, all the rest of the pastoral will be uh, going ahead. For example, you've one program that sees married couples accompanying other married couples in their first five years of marriage. Yes. I'm on year number four myself, and there's a lot of challenges in those early years. Yes, that's called, we call it family rock because of the um, quote of the gospel in which uh, Jesus t- tells us, build your house on the rock, not on the sand. So this is a program that helps uh, recently married couples to, to live uh, God's love in their houses according to uh, real problems. In this period, uh, there happened to, to be uh, problems like uh, lack of confidence, uh, the routine, and then, uh, for example, one, one case. Um, there was a woman, uh, three years married, saying, oh, come on, uh, hurry. What's the thing you most like of me? And then he goes, um, your cupcakes. <laughs> and then she said, she would say, oh, come on, hurry. I mean, about the core. He said, of course, the chocolate cupcakes. So <laughs> obviously that's a joke. But this is a particular situation that most uh, marriages live. Because we are different, that's a thing that uh, couples have to learn. We are different. Uh, we are not trying to do any harm. We are trying to, to be perfect. How we yeah. communicate is so very different. And that's something that's also focused on very much in Amoris. But something that everybody has touched on today is the fact that families are different. Families face different challenges. How do we balance that? This idea that we want to welcome everyone on this journey with God through faith. But how do we balance that idea of mercy with the truth of our faith, which in itself is challenging as well? 
there's a challenge to help couples in particular and families together to understand that why there's truth in what the church has said about marriage and the family, including truth about permanence and fidelity, add to stability, and those things, even at a human level, help to nurture us as human beings and give us a safe, nurturing, secure environment. So we have to explain in a way that's accessible and open to human reason why the ideals, as we call Mm -hmm. them, of Christian marriage are actually something that will add life Mm -hmm. and quality to a relationship, but not to become discouraged just because you don't completely live up to that ideal because God has not abandoned you, the church has not abandoned you, and the family of families has a duty to bring its uh, wisdom and collective experience in to support and help families in in all these kinds of situations and need, you know. And the church is wanting to be there for people in those variety of situations. And for example, one of the projects in Toledo is for people who are separated and divorced. Tell us a little bit about that. Yes, um, there is a group called Santa Teresa. Uh, This project is um, for separated women. And it's... um, I am very much concerned about this group because I've got a sister who's in that group. Um, My sister one day, uh, without previous announcement, uh, discovered that uh, her husband said goodbye. I'm leaving from home. You're not my wife anymore. She she spent uh, two years and a half crying. She even cried over my shoulder. And uh, once... Uh, she discovered there was uh, a group for separated women in the in the Paris. She was a renewed person, a rebuilt person, because she found uh, God's love in the group, in the Paris, in the diocese group. It's a diocese group. This is the church taking care of families mm-hmm. in every situation, even even though difficult situation. This is a church supporting, encouraging families. So there's been so many different interesting ideas today. But where would be a very good starting point for a family or an individual who's watching today saying, "Okay, I want to take my first step, but where should it be? How should I do it? I think life is so busy. There is so much noise. There's so much social media. There's so much buzz all the time. Even just something as simple as lighting a candle and putting it on the table. And people might be silent and that's fine. Or people might say, you know, maybe there's somebody that they're worried about or maybe they've seen something on the news and that they just want to to pray for that situation. It can be really, really simple, but even just a couple of minutes, being quiet, being together, something so simple. I think that's a great place to begin. That's something Pope Francis touches on where he talks about this world that can be so frenetic exactly. and superficial. Exactly. And really stepping exactly. away from those yeah. things, even yeah. for a short moment. Exactly. In the run-up to the World Meeting of Families, uh, we were inundated with very practical, lovely ideas that families themselves came up with. Uh, things like, for example, uh, just to follow on your idea, of taking out a memorial card of someone from their family who had passed during November and creating a little prayer space as a family together, filling in the November dead list together as a family and remembering the people together and praying for them as a family. 
or families, family New Year's resolutions. Let's do them together, put them on the fridge, remember what they are and challenge each other help about each them. Other. Help each other. Another one that was hugely successful was parishes or dioceses hosting a picnic or a barbecue for families. Everybody wants to go to a picnic or a barbecue and paint faces and all of those kinds of things. And maybe just in the middle of it, have a little moment of prayer or a sing song with some songs of faith, praise and so on. There has never been a better time, in my opinion, to celebrate the good news, the gospel of the family as joy for the world. That's what what went right through uh, the preparation for the World Media Families. My thanks to our panel for joining us today and thank you for joining us. I do hope that you have enjoyed our discussion and we hope you'll join us for the next episode, episode two of Amoris, where we'll be further exploring what the joy of love means to families around the world and what is the gospel of the family.
Sacred Space.